hustle culture, especially for entrepreneurs, like it seeps in our skin so deep. There are easily no boundaries if you don't make them so, you know? I really try and remind myself, what am I beyond my checklist? Because for entrepreneurs, we can just live and die by our to-do list. And there are some things in life, relationships, you can't get a checkbox for. Hey guys, I'm Katie. And I'm Alexis, and this is the Check Your Aesthetic Podcast. Hey. Hey, I was saying before we started recording this, we are, we just recorded the like actual interview portion of the podcast um, before this, but I am so like brain foggy this morning, so if I'm like stuttering or anything in this podcast, that is why. It has been a week, you guys. It has been a week. Yeah, and it's only Wednesday. It definitely has been a week. Um, yeah. Yeah, I... I wanted to, um, I saved this specifically for when we're recording, um, for this intro, for this moment, currently, right now. Um, I think that as the fall is rounding the corner, I am slipping back into Draco talk, and... (laughs) And... so embarrassing, Alexis. Literally, last night, I was like, should I, like, be like Brittany Bowski and, like, make a Draco fanfic? No. I can answer that for you. No. I think it would be really good. I'm like a really good writer. Girl, you have, you have plenty to do with your time and none of that includes writing Draco fanfic. That's so embarrassing. Never say that again. Mm. Mm, No. Mm. What I did think about doing, (laughs) except that would literally have to be like a, a year from now, but I thought about, I thought about writing an entire Draco fanfic and then naming it like naming the author like something that's not me and then sending it to you and being like this is so good <laughs> I wouldn't read it anyway why would I read it why would I read oh, it and you'd, and you'd be like wow I'm I'm turned uh-uh, uh-uh. you know what no <laughs> and do you know what I just would like for the record state that Alexis sends me Tom Holland. Tom Holland? I'm What's sorry. It? Tom Felton. He's Tom gro- Felton. I, he needs... That's what I'm saying. You send me his Instagrams and you're like, he's gross. So, like, please stop acting. He's not gross. He's embarrassing. Like, dude, you played... Yeah. In Harry, you were in Harry Potter, like, 20 years ago. And he wasn't like, even... He wasn't even, like, Harry Potter. No. Like, he, he was just Draco. Like, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. You know? I mean, it is a big deal, but it was a big deal, no. like, 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't get, I can't be a part of that. I can't. And <laughs> if you actually write Draco fanfic, never tell me, because you'll never live it down, and I'll make fun of you for literally No, I don't think, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think I don't have the time. You know what I do want to do? If you are a, oh you know what, Willow Winters, I'm going to DM her. Be like, please. <laughs> you want you... her to write you a personalized yeah. Draco fanfic? <laughs> I'll give her the plot line. Do you have one? <laughs> no. I'll come up with one. You have like notebooks full of like <laughs> ideas. That's literally so humiliating. I send it to her like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> to her address? 
Please. We're like, we, we got your address to send you a Christmas card. She's like, oh, that's awesome. She gets that. Do me, do free work for me. Please. That is too much. Um, well, on another note, I guess we should go ahead and say who our guest is today. Um, our guest this week was Dr. Lauren Cook. She is a clinical psychologist. Um, she works she lives in and works out of California, but she does career counseling um, virtually for anybody around the world. She also speaks. Um, so she has done a number of podcasts, but she'll speak for, you know, offices, schools, you know, organizations, yep. anything like that. Um, but she focuses a lot on her page and kind of just like throughout her talks and all of the, her career on um, anxiety and living with anxiety rather than trying to kind of like get rid of it you know yeah you know shut it out of your life yeah um because the reality is you just kind of cannot get rid of it um so that was our guest this week and it was such a good episode it it was very good um speaking of anxiety and sad things I'm just gonna go ahead and say this and then we'll be done talking about it but um I'm sure on the podcast I've talked about my family dog before um I know that I have to have um she miss Rudy she is we got her when I was like eight um, we did have to put her down this past Monday. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, this week is cursed, but yeah. um, that was no fun um, and not good. But yeah, so it's been a bit of a hard week for me and my family. Yeah. Um, I haven't said anything about it on social media, like my business social media, just because I don't know. It's, yeah. you know, it's definitely weird with, um, I was talking to Alexis when pets pass away, kind of is just, I don't know, you never really know how people feel about that kind of stuff um, in the sense of, like, are people going to think that I'm dramatic? Are people going to be like, anyone is going to think you're dramatic. Um, yeah, which, in the vein of today's episode, why do I care anyway in the first place? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that happened this week. Um, it was very sad, and my family's still just kind of, you know, struggling with that but we're here I'm girl bossing my way through it currently um I in and she lived a long life she was yeah, 15 she she was which 15. She was yeah 15. literally on Monday um everything obviously was happening and I was editing the podcast and unfortunately the episode that came out or is gonna come out right before this you were talking about how it was her 15th birthday so I had to hear that 30 times and I just was like please stop saying that yeah god yeah so she, i mean she did just have her 15th birthday yeah. um in the episode that you just heard yeah so anyway we loved her and she loved yes, us love you, Rudy. and yes rest in peace i'm very glad Rudy. i got to meet her before. very much love her yes she's she was a very special girl um anyway i guess after that depressing nugget of information we should go ahead and get into today's episode um and just like kind of a preface to the episode obviously we're talking about depression and anxiety um and stuff like that so if that's a trigger for you um you can go ahead don't listen to this skip skip this episode but we dr lauren gave so many actionable tips on how to manage anxiety um and kind of like humanize anxiety i guess is a good word for it like it's not this big monster that you stigmatize it kind of like it's it's okay like it's not absolutely it's not something to be embarrassed about it's yes, literally and something we, just chemically 
Yeah, and if you've listened to this podcast, you know Alexis and I are super open about um, our mental health struggles. So it was really nice to be able to talk to somebody who kind of has experience dealing with that. Um, mm-hmm. So if you know, we talked about it in the sense of the workplace. We talked about it for entrepreneurs. We talked about it just mm-hmm. for people in general. So no matter who you are, this episode will definitely be useful for you. Um, but I guess we should just go ahead and get into everything that Dr. Lauren had to say. Let's do it. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for anyone that is new to you? Awesome. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Lauren Cook. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. You can just call me Lauren. I practice here in Southern California. I'm in the Pasadena area, and I speak around the country about how we can have more equitable workplaces where we are fostering cultures where it's okay to talk about anxiety. It's okay to talk about when we feel sad and overwhelmed. So thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for coming. Yes. And uh, Alexis and I were actually talking before we started recording. We're both in therapy ourselves and we're both, uh, especially on this podcast, super, super open about talking about our anxiety or slash and or depression. Um, So we're super excited to chat with you, but I felt like we should start with talking about something that is thrown around a lot that a lot of people experience as well as hear the idea of Sunday scaries. Um, So this is something that I actually was talking about in therapy yesterday because my anxiety, I was talking to my therapist, I was like, my anxiety is so like at bay, you know, it's controlled really well, except Sunday hits and I'm like, um, just a mess. Um, <laughs> yes. It's just so bad. So what is kind of your advice for people who have that anxiety um, on Sundays, kind of like the beginning of the week anxiety, um, whether it's about work, about school, kind of anything? Yeah, Sunday scaries are so real. I feel them myself Absolutely. sometimes. And I think the mm-hmm. best thing to start with is just to name it when it's happening. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm noticing it's popping up for myself. What are some steps I can take to feel better? Self-care Sundays is another thing that I like to replace for Sunday scaries. Mm. So you want to get your your week off on the right note. You know, if it's meal prep, if it's time for just a really nice long walk outside. Um, Sometimes I love just sitting and watching a good movie or a movie I've seen a million times, but that's relaxing and comforting for the soul. You want to give that to yourself. And really use some organization to plan for the week ahead, whether it's writing out a to-do list or just looking over your calendar. If that gives you some grounding so that you're not catastrophizing about what's ahead and you actually have a realistic Mm -hmm. picture, that can help give some balance too. Definitely. Yeah, and something that I've noticed like that I was talking about yesterday was – I tend to accidentally make my Mondays like hell. Like I will do the worst meetings that I have, like everything. You know, when you're emailing somebody on Friday, you're like, let's circle back on Monday or like, let's schedule for Monday. And then Monday is like meeting, 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 you know? Um, So I feel like that's another thing that if it's work, obviously when you're going to school, especially in like high school, you can't really control that very much. You just got to go and you got to do your thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But at work, if you can control anything, try not to make Mondays um, worse than they need to be. That's such great advice. And having something to look forward to in the week too. I mean, a lot of us, Mm -hmm. we plan for fun things just on the weekends, but maybe on Tuesday or Thursday, like you plan to get dinner with a friend or Mm. you're going to go get your nails done or whatever. Mm -hmm. For me, going on a home goods run, like love that on a Wednesday (laughs) night, you know? So give yourself something to look forward to and that can help you get over the hump of Monday too. Yeah, I totally I agree. I think that something I'm trying to work with, I'm very much into my planner and like planning out the week and everything. And I do, I don't really do the same like packing everything into Monday, 
but I always try to give myself like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but that's like four days. Like, and so in reality, I'm pushing myself so hard for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that mm-hmm. by the time that Thursday comes around, I am like burnt out, literally can't mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah. And it's just, I need to like, what I'm working on right now is kind of spreading everything out so that it's more Absolutely. balance of, okay, I'm going to get some shit done, but I'm also going to let myself rest on, on mm-hmm. in the same day so I'm not, like, killing myself. Um, totally. But something that I wanted to ask you or talk to you about is I feel like my fiancé struggles with anxiety. I do, too. Him more so, me, more so than me. But both of us kind of have a hard time, like, pointing out what our anxiety is even about. So we'll say, like, I have a lot of anxiety, and then we say – what's causing it and neither of us can really like say what so Mm. what do you recommend for kind of pinpointing those causes when you're struggling to find that cause Mm, I love that question that is a great question I think first is getting curious about where are you noticing it because anxiety Mm. tends to either be physical or mental sometimes both but Mm -hmm. you know when folks are saying I don't know why I'm feeling this way Often that's an indicator that it's maybe coming from a more physical place of like, I'm just noticing my stomach feels bad or I feel exhausted. Okay, that could be a cue then if it's those physical indicators. We're just stressed out in our environment and sometimes it's not a particular trigger. It's just like what you were saying, Alexis, you had three full stack days. Right. It's a lot going on, you know, and your body is saying, mayday, (laughs) like I'm feeling this, you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's more cognitive, more of that mental aspect where people are worrying perhaps about their finances or their future or their relationships. And that's typically when you can pinpoint it of like, okay, I'm noticing this ruminative worry that's happening. And there's been interesting research to show that actually there could be two pathways in the brain for those different types of anxiety that I was just describing. The physical anxiety where folks tend to get more panicky um, and then the more cognitive ruminative, just kind of your general worrier where they'll worry Mm -hmm. about a lot of different things. So it's interesting how that can kind of manifest in different ways. That's very interesting. So I'm somebody who's definitely experienced both of those sometimes both at the same time, but Mm -hmm. definitely like what I was talking about yesterday with my Sunday scaries, that's not a mental, that's just, that's like a physical mm-hmm. um, kind of anxiety. So for people who might be having those physical symptoms of anxiety, I know they can get to be pretty severe um, and they have for me in the past and they just, you know, it, it can feel really helpless when you're like, I feel sick. I feel like, you know, literally sick to my stomach, but I don't even know what I'm worried about. What is your recommendations for what somebody should do when they're having that anxiety they can't pinpoint it to anything they can't solve the problem which you never really can but yeah um because even when you do it'll pick something else Mm. but what's your recommendations for somebody to kind of work through that physical anxiety absolutely so here's the thing and this is really counterintuitive for folks accept it Accept Mm. that the anxiety is there. I'm a huge advocate of what's called acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's kind of the no bullshit approach of like, listen, Mm -hmm. sometimes we're going to feel anxious. And a lot of us, we work ourselves up more because we're like, why am I anxious? What does this mean that I'm anxious? I need to make this go away. And the more you fight yourself, the more you exhaust yourself. So if you actually drop the rope, so to speak, lay back and say, you know what? I am feeling anxious. I am feeling exhausted that's okay. Kind of being that parent to ourselves that maybe we didn't always have or we wish we had of that parent to say to ourselves, it's okay, you're not feeling great today. 
And just coming to ourselves from that approach, that often de-escalates the anxiety. Doesn't always make it go away, but we don't exacerbate it by getting ourselves freaked out about it either. Right, definitely. That's some. That's so interesting that you said the um, like parenting thing because that's something that my my therapist has brought up because I I struggle with depression and she's mentioned um, she calls it like self parenting or re self parenting mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. um, and more so being like okay today I feel depressed. I'm going to let myself feel depressed rather than like beating myself up about it because when I start to beat myself up about it, I start to feel worse. So giving Mm -hmm. myself that time and space to kind of feel my feelings actually in the, it feels counterintuitive because they're like, I'm depressed. I shouldn't be. And so then you kind of like, you know, almost like are embarrassed for yourself. At least that's how I feel that I'm Mm -hmm. depressed, but just yes be depressed it's okay (laughs) tomorrow you'll feel better probably hopefully um but I wanted to ask like I remember I am so lucky that I have the opportunity to work from home and for myself and everything but I remember when I worked in a daycare and I had to physically leave my house and be in a space and I know that that's obviously the reality for many people so Mm -hmm. what is your suggestion for when you're starting to feel those physical symptoms of anxiety or depression but you're in a situation where you can't just like go take a nap you know when you work for yourself exactly no I I'm really glad we're talking about that because oftentimes we feel more anxious when we know we're going to be in a place where we can't easily get out and I know for myself my anxiety gets way worse if I'm stuck on a plane or in a car or in a meeting I can't get out of, you know? And so when that's coming up, there's a few different things that you can do. One, if it's like level 10, go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, you know, have a quiet space for yourself, get some cold water. We want to put something cold on the forehead. This activates the vagus nerve and this starts to slow your heart rate down. Mm. So use Mm -hmm. temperature to your advantage. We also want to use the breath to our advantage too, because a lot of times when we're feeling anxious, we start doing that chest breathing, the right? Yep. And you want to get into that diaphragmatic belly breath. If it's hard to access that, lay on the ground sometime and put some t- books on your tummy and you'll start to feel the belly rise. Just recentering with a grounding breath when you can't necessarily get out of it and you maybe don't want people to pick up that you're feeling panicky or anxious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is huge. I do that whenever I get up and do a talk. I do some belly breaths, and mm-hmm. that's really helpful for folks. And let's destigmatize it. When the panic or the anxiety is happening, Absolutely. tell a coworker, tell a colleague, you know what, I'm feeling really anxious right now. And that, just naming it, getting some support from someone can be really, really helpful because a lot of times the anxiety is happening because we're so worried someone's going to notice. So, yeah. Let the cat out of the bag and you'll see, oh, people are actually really supportive and kind. And if they're not, for whatever reason, like that says something about where they are in their yeah. journey right. and not a reflection yeah. of, of you. So those Absolutely. are just a few things to do when that comes up at work or wherever you may be, which happens to all of us sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so kind of in the same vein at work, I feel like a lot of people experience, you know, even you know, we just talked about you have really bad panic, you're at work, you don't want anybody to know kind of situation. But there's also that kind of lingering just anxiety about work, anxiety that you're not doing enough, you're not doing well enough, you're going to get fired. Um, I know as somebody with anxiety, one of the ways that mine manifests is constantly worrying that I'm just randomly going to get fired, like 
randomly, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, doesn't make any sense. Not rational, as most anxiety is not. But um, kind of what's your advice for working through the anxiety that might be affecting the way you're able to, like, focus and perform at work? Mm-hmm. I have a few different things on this. I mean, you were just naming it, noticing when the catastrophizing is happening. A lot of us take our thoughts as absolute truths. And you have to start Mm -hmm. stepping away from your brain a little bit and noticing, okay, I'm noticing I'm having the thought, Mm -hmm. not I am the thought. You know, we often, this is why like phrases like, you know, think positive are actually really toxic because we can't control the thoughts our brains give us. I mean, this is a classic case of why people get so distressed with OCD. They have some super distressing thoughts come in their brain and they think, what's wrong with me that I'm having this thought? It's just your brain being your wonderful brain. And the same goes Mm -hmm. for your friend who's having the thought, I'm going to get fired. They're not intentionally putting that in their brain. Their brain is just giving them some spam in their inbox, you know? (laughs) Right. And so you have to name that for what it is and say, "Mm, okay, I know this is my anxiety coming up. This is not me. The second piece of it, I'm a bit of a behaviorist. Our brains are so smart. They can smell when we're giving ourselves bullshit of like, Oh, you know, just think different about this. Mm, Our brain's not necessarily going to buy that. You have to show yourself behaviorally that it can have a different outcome. So reminding yourself at work, hey, I did great on that team presentation. My boss gave me great feedback. I'm connecting really well with my colleagues. Show yourself the behavioral evidence. That's when your brain can start to buy in of, okay, maybe this thought that we're having isn't so rational, isn't so logical. And the last piece I'll add here Okay, then what? So you get fired. The brain often wants to yeah. go to the worst case scenario and our anxiety comes up saying, don't think about that. You, you won't be okay if you get fired. Okay, you get fired. Then what? You figure it out. And yeah. Yeah. reminding yourself you have that resilience because with anxiety, we so often doubt that. That can be a way for folks to work through. Okay, worst case scenario happens you'll survive. You'll be, you'll, it'll be uncomfortable, but you'll figure it out. Definitely. Yeah. That's definitely something that I've um, used a lot, you know, kind of like, okay, this is the worst thing that can happen. It's not actually really all that bad, terrible. Like, you know, everything is still going to be fine if that worst thing were to happen. So I feel like that's a really, really useful um, skill or what would it be called? A tactic, I guess, <laughs> to use when you're dealing with anxiety. Know. Mental um, hack, something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a life hack. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so on the other kind of side of the coin, a lot of our listeners work for themselves, like I work for myself, and are dealing with clients or customers a lot, mm-hmm. um, which can come with a whole different kind of anxiety. Um, so you know, client interaction, customer interaction. You have people who don't really owe you anything. Um, They're, you know, kind of outside of your whatever, like kind of outside of your organization. Um, We've got a lot of people who are dealing with Karens, you know, people that are just being rude to them for no reason. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of what is your advice for dealing with anxiety around kind of maybe a client interaction side of things versus, you know, in the workplace? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this happens all the time. One, we were just speaking about this a little bit when it's happening like in our own minds, but the same thing applies when it's happening with someone external to us. Really starting to separate when someone is rude to us. Oh, this isn't about me. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is about you and what's gone on for you, whether it's been a trauma or you feel like something has happened in your life that 
feels like it's justified to treat me that way, ooh, not okay, not okay. And you sometimes we really do need to assert ourselves, right? If someone is trying to take advantage or is being blatantly disrespectful, but also stepping Mm -hmm. back and saying, "Mm, okay, this isn't a reflection of me. Because with anxiety, we so often personalize it, right? We make it all about ourselves of like, what did I do wrong? Mm, okay, let's step back and figure out what's going on for them potentially. And this next piece is probably the harder piece, but something I always invite my clients to do whenever they feel angry with someone. Can we actually tap into a little bit of empathy for Mm, their experience, mm -hmm. which is so counterintuitive, right? right? But that helps us hold it a little bit more of like, ooh, maybe I don't know the whole story. And, you know, when we think about the fact that 70% of people have experienced trauma in their lifetimes, and yet most trauma is invisible, where if just looking or through an email, right, you wouldn't wouldn't know. know exactly, then, you know, that gives us a little bit more context for how pain can come out in different ways. And it sucks when we're on the receiving end, like we have to validate our own experience because people can be really hurtful sometimes. So you don't want to minimize your own pain that you're experiencing but also bringing a both and. I can experience pain and this person may have pain that's making them act this way. That's I just happen to be on the receiving end of that today, unfortunately. Yeah. So that can help us kind of set up a wall a little bit so that it doesn't sink into our skin quite so much. Yeah, definitely. I recently had, I think that that, I mean, obviously can translate also to outside of work. I just had um, an interaction with someone and they were not being super nice and I in the moment had to remind myself like I know what this person has gone through that sucks but like I've gone through stuff too it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that like I deserve to be treated anyway um Mm -hmm. but also like allowing myself to still feel like hurt and it's okay to still feel like that person just said something rude like you're still allowed to be upset with them but still Mm -hmm. kind of like removing yourself almost from that situation and being like okay they're not making a judgment about me it's more about them than it is Mm -hmm. about me I think that's helpful um yeah and go ahead I'm going I'm going Uh, (laughs) I have (laughs) I have the chronic like I'm sorry issue where like Yes, somebody's mean to me and then I'm sorry (laughs) and then like or like I everything I'm just always sorry and it's even gotten to the point where like the when you're saying sorry so much like a big sorry you know like you have to you have to really like my it feels like when I really do something bad I'm like oh I'm sorry is not enough Mm. um so I feel like the chronic I'm sorry can kind of come into this too I definitely notice myself with um, not necessarily clients. I haven't really had too many, um, I'm sorry issues with clients, but just, I definitely could see it happening where, you know, it's not necessarily, and it's hard when you run a business too, because you want to always, you know, it's the customer's always right kind of mentality. Um, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily true, but you know, to some extent you have to, you can't just you like, pretend they are. the way you would on your family, you know, <laughs> you're internally um, like giving them but, middle finger and yes. smiling. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But you know, like, apologizing something that I've learned you know apologizing when you you either aren't actually sorry or you're making yourself feel bad for something that isn't necessarily your fault for me it only serves to like make my anxiety worse the next time something happens Mm. um Mm -hmm. and so I feel like that's a a point to be discussed do you have opinions on the chronic I'm sorryers can I ask (laughs) is there some people pleasing tied in with here as well (laughs) yes of course (laughs) of course there is I'm saying yes for her and me (laughs) 
I mean, I think, you know, for folks who identify as women, I identify as a woman. I -hmm. see this for a lot of my woman-identified clients. We are so socialized to not be able to sit with anger. We're afraid of our yes. own anger. We're we're definitely afraid of someone else's anger. I mean, yes. it freaks us out. And so we will do anything to keep people's anger at bay. Even if internally we start feeling this seething resentment building up of like, I hate this and I hate my life right now, <laughs> you know? So one is getting more comfortable with anger. Like it's okay for someone to feel frustrated with you and it's okay for you to feel frustrated with someone else. It's okay Mm -hmm. to express that. I think a lot of us, we have this experience of anger where it's just going to burn all of our bridges, right? It's going to be the end for us. And I, Mm -hmm. I also think that's a a bigger societal problem, uh, a lack of privilege for women where we feel like if we make one misstep, then our future is over. Right. Um, and that yeah. may sound big, but, but I think it is that big. And so we need to start kind of dipping our toe in the pool little by little to see, oh, okay, I could handle that person being angry with me. My world didn't fall apart. And once again, to come back to it, if you have somebody where you have a difficult encounter and they are a bridge burner of like, well, that was your chance and you blew it. Is that really someone we want to be in our lives anyway? you know, where we can't have a give and take learning relationship with. So it's really tough, but I think it does really boil down to the anger piece. We're just, we're not socialized to sit with it. And I think it's something we have to work on. Definitely. That's super interesting. And I feel like I'm sure every, like a lot of girls have experienced this, but when you say like, you know, someone's angry with you and it kind of burns all your bridges, I'm, I'm thinking back to like middle school when like, one friend is mad at you who's like in charge and then all your friends are mad at you Mm -hmm. and then you have no friends for like however long and then it feels like your whole world is burning down or like even in like relationships you know like a lot of women I think um put a lot of their like self-worth into their relationships uh, the same way I'm sure men do as well but I've definitely like talk to a lot of my female friends about that. I don't really talk to a lot of men about their emotions, so I don't know what's going on with them. Um, but um, even though I have brothers, they just, they're not keen to share. But I feel like, um, you know, it's kind of like a lot of women have had experiences with this kind of like all or nothing, like like these people, totally. like you're saying. Because, um, I mean, frankly, there's just a lot of people like that, mm. sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us are like that ourselves. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel like it's that kind of thing where I've, I always talk to my therapist about like, when I have anxiety about something and then it's proven right, it kind of makes me feel like, okay, that's just going to keep happening that way. But understanding that humans are so complex and every interaction truly is so different. Mm -hmm. So like you said, just being okay with, you know, this person can be mad at me. It doesn't mean they're going to not talk to me again ever. If they do again, what's the worst, you know, they clearly weren't. Well, and and I do think it speaks to, you want to look for people in your life who can hold nuance you know, who you can have conflict with, you can disagree with, right? Mm -hmm. Like who are those Mm -hmm. folks that you just have to be yes people for? And if you feel like you disagree or something goes wrong, then that's it. Ooh, okay. You know, I mean, uh, look for those people who can hold nuance. I'll say that. I think that's really important. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I feel like with clients too, that's another big thing that like Alexis helps me through a lot of client stuff. Like we just talk about it and it's just kind of like, um, even the, like those people like don't have people who are going to be, you know, a, a client red flag would be somebody who's going to be expecting kind of like an all or nothing, like, you know, mm-hmm. or they're like wishy-washy one day to another rather than like somebody who's 
well I think I think also like with clients I notice in Katie a lot and I totally understand the the feeling and the inclination but I think um she has a lot of times where she is like inherently undervaluing herself like not intentionally Mm -hmm. um but kind of I think as women we like lesser our value um, mm-hmm. to, like, be like, oh, well, it's it's okay, and I was, the whole time you were saying, um, the apologizing thing, I kept thinking, this is such a small example, but every time I turn a corner and accidentally bump into someone, I'm immediately saying sorry, or mm-hmm. if someone, like, you know, if someone in the grocery store grabs the same pasta box as me, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. sorry, and, like, let it go immediately, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, hands off. And I think just as women, it's so ingrained in us to just retreat, kind of. Yeah, be like smaller, smaller, step back, back, whether that's in like a physical, like actual sense, or it's in like a more metaphorical sense. So that's Mm -hmm. something that I've tried to work on, but it's so hard. Like I literally turn the corner. I'm like, ah, sorry. Like, why am I sorry? Like, so annoying. It's their fault. Um, <laughs> I so feel that. I yeah. So feel that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so something that I also wanted to talk about, and this, I think, it both, ha- both has to do with the depression side and the anxiety side, but something that Katie and I talk about, like, all the time, and we actually want to have an episode where we talk about that specifically when you're in your 20s, um, but feeling like you're not either doing enough or much worse you're not enough I think Mm -hmm. that anxiety and depression it's so common also just for entrepreneurs since you don't have that boss that's saying yeah you're doing great like you have to say that to yourself and when you you know that's just like a weird internal thing so how do you Mm -hmm. recommend kind of navigating that depression and or anxiety when you feel like you aren't quite there Ooh, I so feel that as somebody who's 31 and just finished my 20s and still mm-hmm. sitting with it, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's challenging. And especially, I don't I don't know if y'all are into the Enneagram at all. Are yes. You into the Enneagram? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. A lot of entrepreneurs are Enneagram threes. I know I am. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I <What> am. Are, <laughs> what are you, Katie? I'm a four wing three. Okay. So. And I'm okay. the opposite. I gotta, I gotta I'm, I'm three wing four. Nice. Oh, I like mm-hmm. it. Okay. I'm three wing two. Um, I guess that pulls the therapist side for me. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, we can feel like a bucket with a hole in it. It can just feel like it's never enough, whether it's the external mm-hmm. validation, whether it's the output. I mean, hustle culture, especially for entrepreneurs, yeah. like it seeps in our skin so deep. And there, there are easily no boundaries if you don't make them so, you know? Yeah. I really try and remind myself what am I beyond my checklist? Because for entrepreneurs, we can just live and die by our to-do list. Yep. And yep. there are some things in life, relationships, you can't get a checkbox for. Like, sure, you can yeah. put on your checklist, like, get lunch with a friend, okay? <laughs> Go on date. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take a shower. I've done that so Kiss boyfriend. <laughs> Kiss boyfriend. <laughs> Exactly. You know, like where it's like you have to live beyond your checklist and you have to live beyond like the tangible like output products that you create. Um, And that's really hard to sit with. I have to remind myself of that all the time that I'm more than my work. Um, 
but I think a great thing to ask yourself is like when my life, when I'm at the end of my life, and this sounds like a morbid question, but like we ask this a lot in therapy, what do you want to think back on when you look back at your life? And most of us probably will not say like, oh, I wish I put in more hours at work. Like we want to cultivate relationships and you know, if you're getting through your 20s and you're noticing like, wow, I haven't seen my friends in a month or I just feel like I don't have friends, then that's a clue of like, get on Bubble BFF or like join a group yeah. or something like because you have to have meaningful relationships in your life. It's more than the work that you do. Yeah. And I feel like it's so normalized, especially in your 20s and especially in corporate Um, I feel like you're like climbing the ladder, you know, you're like trying to work up to the next, like work in your twenties, have kids in your thirties. And then like, it's this, like the time and times in your life where I feel like we have this pressure of like, this is the work time. This is the Mm -hmm. kid time. This is the, but like, that's not actually how life works. Like you have to balance everything all the time Mm -hmm. that you, it's not like whenever you're 30, you quit your job. Like (laughs) that's not how that works. Like you're still going to have to work. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's not like when you're in your twenties, you're going to be just like you said, like thriving and loving your life with no friends. Like that's just not how it works. Um, and I, it's, you, it reminded me when you were talking, I was just watching Ted Lasso. I don't know if y'all have seen it. I love it's that show. so good. But when Roy, he's like in the show, he's like a football player and he, uh, or soccer player. Uh, not, it's American, American, <laughs> <laughs> Americans American call football, soccer. football. And then it's oh, well. British people call soccer football. Anyway, yep. um, he, he like stops working and he's like so worried about like his identity was so tied up in his career and his girlfriend asks his niece like what do you think about your uncle Roy and she never says football like she never says like he's a football player you know she Mm -hmm. just doesn't mention it once um and so I feel like that's something that's really um like powerful to do too is like ask your friends like what what do you think of when you Mm -hmm. think about me they're not going to be like you are so good at accounting like you are (laughs) you know like you're so like you you work so many hours you know like that's just not what people really like notice about you Mm -hmm. um and that's like not what's important like you said Mm -hmm. um but the last question kind of um a big bigger picture thing um you talk a lot on your page and we've talked a little bit in this um episode about living with anxiety in general um and kind of living with it rather than trying to like get rid of it like we were talking about earlier so what is your advice for somebody who's kind of struggling to learn to work through and work with their anxiety instead of just trying to like pinpoint and get rid of it because it can be really Mm -hmm. hard to just be like oh no I have to just deal with this with this like it's not gonna go away but kind of what is like the mindset that can help people start to work with it and through it Mm -hmm. well one there really is the piece to it like you need to allow yourself to grieve you know and feel sad that you're feeling this way I mean yeah it's frustrating it's disappointing like uh, we most of us would say I don't want to be feeling this way so you need to allow yourself to feel sad about that that's that's okay to feel that way and the second piece I would say is get curious about it. You know, what is your body trying to tell you? A lot of us, we feel like with anxiety or depression, we feel like our body is our enemy. Our body's actually trying to be our friend in a way by like giving us some clues of like, Hey, like I'm having a hard time here. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like in all of my training, it was so cognitive, so heady. And Mm -hmm. I think we see that in a lot of training and therapy around the country. Like we can work with like thoughts and behaviors all day, we are not somatically trained in the body and yet anxiety, depression, it's often a very physical experience. So get 
curious, maybe even start to get comfortable with what your body is trying to tell you because anxiety especially is about trying to control, right? We don't want to feel out of control. And yet maybe it's okay for your body to feel out of control. It's okay for your body to do its thing. And when you allow it to do that, that in turn really equilibrates you a lot faster. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm newly getting really interested in somatic therapy, but I think, you know, for folks who are interested in it, just doing a yoga practice or a ballet bar yeah. class, you know, where your muscles yeah. shake. There's just fascinating <laughs> research about that trembling sensation is really actually helpful for the body when it's so really? tense. Yeah. Oh, hmm. I, I'm learning about this recently. It blows my mind. We could have a longer conversation about it. But um, yeah, there's research about how trembling, which often we're socialized to not shake, right? Right. Like, lock mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. That trembling sensation, animals do it in the wild too when they come out of the freeze state. That trembling is actually really healthy and normal, and we don't often give that to ourselves. But That's it is so why we like to dance, for example. So. Yeah. You know, that's very interesting. And I definitely feel like um, I like that you're pointing out to do maybe something different to treat. Like you said, there's different potentially different pathways. So, you know, you're not going to be able to to manage your anxiety all in the same way. And kind of like listening to yourself, I feel like is really important um, and probably something that I need to do more rather than just like hope for the best whenever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, physical anxiety comes on or, or you know, mental you know, depending on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we should go home, go ahead and get into the random question. Um, this one's fun. Alexis came up with this one. Um, she's so creative, Alexis. I'm so yeah. great. Um, <laughs> you're such a good yes, podcast host. Um, <laughs> okay. So today's random question is what is a niche pet that you've thought about adopting? So like not a dog or a cat, like what's a fun niche pet you've thought about adopting? Lauren, you can go ahead and start. Oh, I love this question. I mean, it is my Siamese cat's sixth birthday today, so I feel like it hurts his feelings if I don't pick him. But (laughs) when my dad was in the Peace Corps in Barbados, he had a pet monkey. And ever since then, I'm like, I would love to have a pet monkey. Like when we went to Costa Rica and there's monkeys everywhere, like I'm just in my happy place. So... If it was legal and safe yeah. and good for the monkey, right. I would love to have the monkey. That's what monkeys I would say. Monkeys are yeah. so cute. They're, they're so smart, too. Like, they're obviously the closest that we've got to humans, but yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Alexis, what would you pick? Um, I recently, my fiance and I, Austin, uh, we went to PetSmart to get uh, food for our cat, and we walked past guinea pigs, and I was so close to getting two guinea pigs and because we live in an apartment building and we can't have another animal and so I'm like I feel like I could swing by like two guinea pigs um but Mm -hmm. I I don't know I keep like I need to do more research but I know that they're very loud and they'd have to be in here in my office and I'm just like I don't think the podcast would go very well with like screeching pigs they're um, my I told you my therapist has six mm-hmm. and um they're they smell bad yes oh. I also really don't want my office to smell like poop so yeah yeah <sighs> Katie what yeah. about you um I have always wanted a hedgehog um cute. I had a friend in high school who was obsessed with hedgehogs and I was like oh that's they're so cute and then I had a co-worker who had a hedgehog and they only live like one to two years hmm. which is sad but um they're just so cute and fun and they like can 
they can like hang out. They, yeah. you know, they can like mm-hmm. actually do things, but then they have their little, like they're not just in a cage, which mm-hmm. I'm not really a caged animal kind of girl. Like yeah. that doesn't really do much for me. We had a bird when I was in high school and he was nothing but annoying. I mean, he offered no value. He only got on one person's finger ever, and it was, like, my friend from high school. Like, he hated everybody. He was was And I actually think he was a girl. We, like, named him Casper um, and, like, thought he was a boy. Because, like, they can't really tell. They just guess. Mm. And then he, like, was trying to, like, started to, like, lay, like, empty eggs because he was looking at himself. Her, she was looking at herself in the mirror and thought that it was another bird. Anyway, it was very weird. Um, Interesting. uh, So I think it was a girl, and she was kind of crazy. Anyway, um, Lauren, (laughs) on that note, um, why don't you go ahead and plug yourself. Tell everybody where they can find you. You definitely share, like, a ton of valuable resources. Yeah, like, actionable steps, too. Um, Yeah, so where people can find you online. Thank you. Yeah, this has been such a fun conversation today. I've loved this. So people can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Dr. Lauren Cook. You can also go to my website at Dr. Lauren Cook. I've got some courses there. For folks who are in California, I have a few openings for therapy clients. Otherwise, I do career coaching with clients around the country. Um, And if people are in need of a speaker for their school, their company, whatever it might be, I love to speak with with teams, whether it's in person or virtual. So, yeah, thank you so much. Yes, thanks for coming on, and thank you guys for listening. Be sure to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and subscribe to keep up with our weekly episodes. And then follow us on TikTok at Check Your Aesthetic, and over on Instagram at Check Your Aesthetic Podcast, and our personal accounts, Katie Creative Co., Alexis Adams Aldrich, and Dr. Lauren Cook, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.